Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Hello, welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks podcast. I'm Jim Haney. And I'm Andy Daniel. Thanks so much for tuning in once again to another podcast. We're so happy to be with you. And today we are talking about the eight dimensions of wellness. Yeah, these are used all over the place. SAMHSA, of course, has some information about them, but if you do a Google search for eight dimensions of wellness, you just get a whole bunch of information. Yeah, there and there's all kinds of versions of this too. I think I've seen over the years the the pie chart divided into the eight slices. I don't know. I think for what we use at MPN is the SAMHSA one, which is the kind of the discs all overlapping forming this circle i think for the most part they're they're very very similar and really when you begin talking about recovery uh, i think when you really begin talking about recovery and you say recovery is holistic this is what comes to my brain right here what do you think oh absolutely this just gives you a good rundown of the things that you can focus on because I think sometimes that just seems really overwhelming about what's going on in my life and what do I need to fix. And so the eight dimensions sort of give you a place to start. Exactly, exactly. And and uh, if you're not familiar with it and you're listening, yeah, if you just Google eight dimensions wellness, boom, it'll pop right up and there'll be all kinds of stuff on there. Um, one of the things that I'm going to mention a couple of times is our Healthy Minds, Healthy Bodies workbook, because half of the book is about the eight dimensions of wellness. And so uh, if you don't already have yourself a copy, you can go to our website, you can pick one up in the store. Uh, part of it's about different elements of recovery, like trauma recovery, co-occurring disorders, um, has a bunch of testimonies in it. That's kind of in the first half. The second half is all about the eight dimensions of wellness, and we break them all out. And so we thought we would do a podcast on this and share our own thoughts and experiences about the different dimensions, how they interplayed in our own lives and how they interplay in our own lives. Because wellness and and recovery, it's so much more than the absence of uh, a disease or disability. It's, It's... Recovery is, it's not just about not using substances or not hurting yourself or it's just so much more than that. And um, I think that in the beginning, it's if, if you're <clears throat> having trouble with, let's just say substances, I think it's easy to just focus on that and sort of get lost in, oh, it's got to be abstinence or nothing. When in reality... And, and I wish somebody would have said this to me in the beginning. They didn't. I discovered this many, many, many years later. There's all these other elements of life that you can begin working on 
while you're trying to figure out what are your new healthy coping tools, <laughs> right, instead of the substances, my, my explaining, explaining that, like, <clears throat> no one really says that. I think the system, I know uh, for me, like, you know, go, if you go, if anybody's experience of going treatment, outpatient treatment, inpatient treatment, you know, it's about don't do that. Don't stop drinking or stop. Or if it's mental health related, like for me, you know, stop harming yourself. Like, you know, but it's like, you don't have the tools, like you don't have the tools. And I, I wish, you know, in retrospect, somebody would have said, Hey, there's all these other dimensions that you can work on while we're figuring out that part. And that I could have spent more time focused on some of these things. And so the eight dimensions, and we're going to break them all down, but they're very quickly emotional, financial, social, spiritual, occupational, physical, intellectual, and environmental. There's a lot there. And you can start working on them, like I said, even when you don't have the healthy tools yet in your toolbox and you can start working on these so maybe someday we'll get to that place where we we talk to people this way uh, you know a more this holistic approach because it's one of the guiding principles and it's what we teach to peer supporters that recovery is holistic right uh we watched that funny video about the not about the nail, right? So learning to look beyond that, it's not really about that. There's all these other elements. Well, and being able to focus on one thing at a time, I think it builds your confidence to, you know, if if I'm not going to stop harming myself right now because I don't have any other way to cope with it, maybe there's something I can do about my nutrition or there's something I can do about where I live or, you know, something like that. There are small changes that can make you feel like you have accomplished something, even though you haven't, I don't know, gotten better or <laughs> for lack yeah, of a better but, word, yeah. right? Well, well, you haven't figured it out loud, right? Like it's, I, I, I can remember thinking, how do I solve this puzzle? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like as if there was like some steps or some set of directions or something like just, I remember a lot of confusion and not knowing where to, to turn, where to sort of start with it, where do you, and I, and I think that, you know, for, for peer supporters, the advantage they have is to be able to say, Hey, I get it. And let's go work on, you know, your physical health or let's work on your, you know, spiritual, like, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you can kind of, I mean, it almost feels like a diversion, you know, even though it's not, it's all of you. It's the whole person. I've said this story before, very early on in my recovery, I, you know, went to, I was in outpatient. I checked myself into outpatient because I was drinking too much. And so it's like, I couldn't talk about my mental health there. And then I go to therapy and we're not talking about me drinking too much. We're talking about me harming myself. And it was like two separate things. And the, and the two things were not connecting. Right. But yeah. the two things are me, but they are me. They're, they're part of me and they're all interconnected in reality. And so, I mean, it was a long time ago back in the way back in the nineties. So 
I'd like to believe it's different. I, you know, no one ever came to me and said, here's the eight dimensions. Um, but I think today with the advent of peer support and I think that peer supporters come from a different place and can say, Hey, you know, let's, let's go take a walk and, you know, let's start there. Yeah. Right. And you mentioned diet. So maybe that's a good place where we jump in and talk about, uh, the physical <clears throat> dimension of wellness. Yeah. I so think physical is an, is an easy concept to grasp, right? Eating healthy, if you're getting enough sleep, if mm-hmm. you've got mm-hmm. um, some good healthy activities. Sometimes that's an, I think it, it's an easier concept to wrap, wrap your head around. You know, am I physically healthy or what can I do to make myself more healthy physically? Yeah, I think the, you know, when I think uh, over the last 10 years, let's say, there's been this big push with dental care. Right. So people with behavioral health issues, most most treatment places now are are talking to people about it. And if you look at community health centers, federally qualified community health centers, I mean, most of them have uh, dentistry are part of their services. Right. Because there's been this recognition that this is really important. Right. And that people who, you know, if you have a meth addiction, you probably have bad teeth and that can cause tremendous physical pain, which only drives the urge to want to escape the pain and go use again. Right. Right. So like, you know, it, it all gets sort of interconnected. And so I think there's been this recognition that this is part of our wellness and it's all part of the big picture. And so then, services have to be created. I know here in Livingston, I mean, you can go to community health partners, you know, dentistry, they have the one day, you just, it's a walk-in thing. And I think it's 25 or $30 for a, a basic exam and, you know, to get you going. Yeah. I think physical and diet, I think that's another big one. Did you experience anything with your diet when you got into recovery? Yeah, I I started trying to, you know, pay attention to the way I was eating. I get into those. Well, I have two different sides of this um, that my stress levels, like emotional stress makes me not eat. But like work stress makes me eat a lot. So it's sort of trying to find that balance between those two extremes of, you know, making sure that I'm eating on a good schedule or at least eating healthy things. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, with, with physical wellness, it's, it's one way to help yourself feel better getting out, taking a walk, uh, getting on a bicycle, riding a bicycle, going to the gym. You know, there's places like the Phoenix and Billings where if you're uh, in recovery, I think you need 48 hours you can use the gym for free. You know, it's designed for people in recovery. And I think physically, like that's the one for most people, not everybody. If you have <clears throat> serious physical uh, health issues, you obviously are not going to jump on a bike or go to the gym or take a hike or something. But for most people, that's an easy one. And I know as a peer supporter, you know, I would ask people that like, hey, we could we can walk and talk. Because just the act of walking 
is healthy for you, right? And releases these endorphins and you get outside and you get some sunshine and you're, you know, right? So I think that's one that you can do. You don't need money to go to walk, right? So physical wellness is a little bit easier than some of the others than say environmental wellness. And if you need to move (laughs) from where you live, (laughs) that can be more challenging Right. Uh, You might not have, you know, a deposit, first and last month's rent, a deposit to move somewhere. You might not have the money to rent a a truck to move your stuff, you know, right? So I think it's a little bit easier, yeah, than something like environmental. And, And then speaking of environmental, so it's not just about where you live, right? Right. There's other, there's other parts to environmental. And so, you know, with environmental, we have to really look at our social circle, you know, our friends, acquaintances, who are the people that we're hanging out with, right? Yeah. Um, Who do we surround ourselves with? What kind of energy do those people have? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, Maybe it's your job, right? Maybe it's your job that is causing you a tremendous amount of grief and stress. And you mentioned this with the eating, right? And so it it might not be just your home when you're environmental. It could be people you're hanging around. It could be that one friend that always convinces you to go out and go to the bar and go get drunk, right? And right? Like it it can be things like that. And the other thing that I didn't say in the beginning is about how these are all interconnected, right? Is that they're all kind of overlapping. And so just right there, as I was talking about, well, that one friend that convinces you to go out and go drink, well, now that's connected to your social wellness, right? right? And that social group that you're hanging around, not a lot of sober people, well people hanging out at the bar on a regular basis right yeah or hanging out at a at a party or i think it's always good for people to have a nice mixture of social connections uh in their in their lives right yeah which are totally connected to to your emotional wellness because if you're having to recreate some relationships or you know move away from relationships that aren't healthy. Um, you know, how do you deal with that kind of, uh, emotional turmoil in some ways, right? That you're having to make this change to a different social group and what are your emotions around that? And, and how can you make the best of that move? Absolutely. And sometimes the, the, you know, the one person that we consider our friend and, you know, maybe we've known them a long time. So they're part of our social group. Maybe we met them through work so they can be part of our environment that way. But maybe they're the person who's unhealthy and they're bringing their negative energy and stress to your relationship with them. It's not about you and them, but their stuff bleeds over into you and that's causing you emotional distress but you don't even recognize it because you're friendly with this person since you were kids or went to high school or whatever and now you're tied up with them emotionally and unhealthy people can do that to us and we can get triggered by it 
but we have this loyalty, this sense of loyalty to the person. And so we're not even really examining that, but maybe they're working us up. They're upsetting us. They're, we're feeling, we're feeling some of their stress, some of their grief, some of their trauma, and it could be triggering us. Right. And then potentially guilty feelings about having to step away from that relationship. Yeah. I, I remember that. I remember having to leave behind people who at that time I would have said were my friends. Today, looking back, I would say, no, they were people who were unhealthy and weren't really benefiting my life all that much in a positive way. But it was really difficult because, yeah, I felt that sort of tug and I was trying to change and trying to navigate the social aspect of it and the emotional aspect and them tugging on me and me running to them and vice versa, you know, and just not wanting to let go of that and definitely connected environmentally because if that's who the folks that you're hanging around, again, you work with them, you hang out with them, maybe they're neighbors, those kinds of things. It can be really challenging early on in recovery to do that, particularly when you don't know anyone else who's in recovery. Yeah, I everyone. Think that's, I think that's really hard in smaller towns. Um, although you can isolate yourself wherever you are, right? And we kind of talked about this in treatment too. If, if you're in a hospital or in a treatment facility, you end up isolated from everybody around you. And so it's sort of like starting all over, I think, when you, you know, when you get back home or whatever, it's like starting all over with that social group and trying Uh to find those people that fit into your life now. Uh Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, speaking of trying to find these new things, once I got some time in recovery, I was able to rediscover things that I had lost when I was unhealthy and and I just had a conversation with somebody about this, about um, something that they were doing, starting to do again that they used to really enjoy, but they lost while they were, while they were sick. And so I think considering your intellectual wellness, what are those things that you used to do that you used to enjoy that you haven't done for years? And if you really examine it, most of the time, the reason you haven't done it is because you've been sick. You've been wrapped up in your illness, whatever that is, and you've kind of lost touch with some of those things. You know, it can be something like reading books, you know, taking the time to sit in a comfy chair and actually read a book. Most people, when they're unhealthy, don't feel good when they're not well, don't read books, you know, so might be something where you kind of rediscover, oh yeah, I really enjoy this, or I used to really enjoy this. Great way to expand your knowledge and uh, learn new things, create new pathways in your brain, right? Don't they say like learning a foreign language is one of the best ways you can 
expand your brain, flex those muscles. Yeah, and doing puzzles or crosswords like uh, Sudokus and and things like that will increase your concentration and your memory and just help you think clearer. Yeah, And, and we included some of those things in Healthy Minds, Healthy Bodies workbook. So we have crosswords and find words and cryptograms because it is really true. Like as you get into recovery and that cloud that most of us have from time to time will start to dissipate and to expand your brain and think in different ways. And, you know, maybe it's taking a class, maybe it's uh, learning something, maybe it's uh, going on YouTube and finding finding I've been, I've been watching these videos on how to uh, these, these people building their own guitars, Oh, like, like, like the whole thing, you know what I mean? Like the whole, the whole thing, the wood, the string, you know, um, it's fascinating to me. Like, it's really, I'm like, wow, it's becoming like a whole thing. There's thousands of videos on this. Like it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Like you can just build your own now. It's like, wow. You know, and, and relatively inexpensively, um, I haven't tried it yet, but I probably will at some point, that kind of thing where you're just expanding your brain. Like, it's like, Oh, I didn't really, never really thought about that. Like building your own instrument. I think it's really important. And the other part of that is when you're doing those things, you're not doing the unhealthy things. Right. Yeah. Uh, Right. Like that's the other huge benefit to it is if you're making that switch from those emotionally draining friends, right. And you're changing your social circle, you're going to need to occupy your time with something. And so finding new things you can get into, get passionate about, you can learn about is often a really good way to do it. And um, things like YouTube are just amazing because it's free. I mean, all you need is internet access and you can literally look up anything and learn, learn how to do it. I fix my cars and my dryer and stuff just by finding YouTube videos. So, you know, you can, you can look at some of those things that some of that stuff is easier than you think it is. Right. Yeah. If you just do a little search. Yeah. 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 I, I too have fixed my dryer. That's funny. Did your heating element go out? Uh, no, I had a broken belt. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I had my heating element went out and it was literally 20 bucks and two screws. Yep. It was the simplest thing. I mean, it was like, it took me longer to unscrew the back (laughs) than it actually took me to replace the part. Like I literally just went to the store and said, this is what I need. And they said, oh yeah, here it is. It's $20. And I went home and it took me longer to, you know, there was like 15 screws holding the back plate on. And I was like, oh, there it is. And it's two little screws, popped them off, put the new piece on, boom, dryers. Found it on YouTube and that kind of thing. That's just, you feel empowered when you do that. And so that's all part of that intellectual wellness and expanding your mind and learning. You know, it occurred to me when, when we were talking about the friend thing and the social circle and the emotional thing, we didn't talk about the financial piece. Oh, right. That totally connects in, right? I mean, if you're if you're uh, going out and abusing substances, 
you're spending a lot of money, right? Or if you're in mania and maybe right. you're uh, hooked on Amazon or I don't know, is anybody ever hooked? Are they hooked on home shopping network still? Like <laughs> that used to be, that used to be a big thing. Like, you know, Amazon makes it so easy to buy stuff, right? right. Like you can just, Oh, I like that. You just a couple of clicks and boom, three days later, it's at your door, you know, like, when I knew somebody who bought a motorcycle in a manic state, she mm. didn't know how to ride a motorcycle, but mm. she bought one. Mm. <laughs> mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what you needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when you start talking about recovery, you do have to recover your financial self in that. I think for most people, we kind of bottom out our things like our credit score, our bank account, maybe our job, right? And there is a level of, whoa, like, (laughs) this is not good. I'm paying the rent next month. And you have to start building that back up. But it's definitely part of financial wellness. I mean, even just keeping track of your bank account. Like, how much money do I even have in the bank? Knowing how much do you have? So examining maybe it's uh you're going to examine your budget okay i have a job uh, and these are my bills and these are my expenses and actually putting you know putting that down or maybe you put it in your phone you get an app budgeting app and you know you're going to actually put it in to make a plan how am i going to be financially well or maybe you did go crazy on on amazon and you bought all this stuff and now you owe a bunch of money on your credit card. How am I going to pay it off? What am I? Do I need to go get another job? Right. So that you know? leads right into occupational wellness. Exactly. Exactly. And having a balance. Um, you hear a lot of times work-life balance. While I think sometimes a lot of these things like intellectual things and occupational things can sort of be a distraction. That's not to say that they're, that's a bad thing, right? To to find things to keep you distracted while you're still developing your coping skills. But I mean, occupational, we talked about maybe people that you hung out with are people at work. And so then how do you navigate that if you're not going to go out and get drunk with them on Fridays or um, does, is your work meaningful to you? And if not, do you need to make some kind of change to find work that's meaningful? for you i think that's a big one andy i I think that's a really big one i think it's more than just work it's about having a sense of purpose and so for some people it might be going to school to learn you know to get a degree or learn a new trade it might be volunteering somewhere maybe you know you're volunteering on a horse ranch or something right I think that having a sense of purpose, it, it's kind of like that keeping yourself busy thing. It's like if you're really interested in something and you get passionate about it. It's like you're kind of so busy with that, following that dream that you you don't have time for the unhealthy stuff. And sometimes we can't control the unhealthy stuff. But if we have that sense of purpose, it can often be something we can hold on to and gravitate towards. And so that's another area I know for myself as a peer supporter, when I talk to people, it's one area that I, I, I try to 
ask them questions about and learn on a kind of a deeper level, like what's important to them, like what really is important and what matters, because you have that sense of purpose, um, then you have a reason to get up each day and go and do whatever it is that you need to do, which can give you an emotional sense of satisfaction, right? It can help you financially. It can help you socially. Um, it can help you physically by getting up and getting out. And then the finances help you maybe eat a little bit better, right? Like, I, I think, like, that sense of purpose is a, is a really important one. And for people who are in jobs that they don't like, life is too short, I think, to do that. And um, unless it's temporary, unless you're just there temporarily, if you don't like your job, you really should begin making plans, I think, to leave there and go do something you enjoy. And something that happened for me was, you know, I, I had been working in um, social service kind of jobs, working with low income families and stuff like that for, for mm-hmm. a long time. And, and I was pretty satisfied with that. And then things sort of took a weird turn in my life with divorce and I ended up in inpatient treatment, you know, and all kinds of things. And when I sort of came back out of that to some extent, I just wanted a job that I didn't have to, that didn't have a lot of responsibility. Okay. And it yep. was only temporary. I mean, it was like six months. Yeah. I just need a job that I can just do and, you know, not have yeah. to worry about supervising other people or, sure. you know, that kind of stuff. And it, I right. loved it. I worked at a little candy store and I absolutely loved it. I got to be creative and and stuff but it doesn't have to be a huge you don't have to be a ceo or something like that as long as it's something that works for you exactly exactly that's a really good point you know that uh it doesn't one it doesn't have to be forever (laughs) that you don't have to you know do that and you don't and and i think particularly early on in recovery that I think you have to be realistic that are you healthy enough to be the CEO? Right. (laughs) Like, right. Like, I mean, maybe you have to start at an entry level position, you know, at the front desk or administration or whatever. Maybe that's where you start because you're not, you're not there yet. You're not healthy enough yet. And that's okay. As time goes on, hopefully your journey will be a positive one and you'll get healthier along the way. And then, you can work your way up or over to another position or a different company or maybe get your degree, whatever it is. But yeah, I think that when you talk about job and then you talk about that spiritual element, that sense of purpose is really important and can be a really strong driving force for many people if they have one. I know when I wasn't healthy, I didn't really have a sense of purpose. And so, you know, finding a sense of purpose and something that has real meaning to you, um, I think, can benefit you in most all of these uh, domains. Yeah. So you mentioned spiritual. As someone who is not religious, spiritual is Mm -hmm. always kind of a weird thing for me. But people wrap spiritual up with religious a lot. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's really not what... Right. That's nope. about it is having that sense of purpose, 
uh-huh. spending time in places that are peaceful for you, um, uh-huh. building your self-confidence, finding hope and and those kinds of things. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be a religious or a higher power or anything like that. It's it's more related to your values and your beliefs than mm-hmm. whatever organization people belong absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. That, that's absolutely. Because people do do that. They will wrap up religion and spirituality together. And they're they're really not. They can be, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like when I hike in Yellowstone and I get out you know, a couple miles and you come over a little hill and like a ridge and a big grassy valley opens up and you see maybe a herd of elk or bison or whatever, or even a grizzly bear, you know, just, just being a bear, you know, just out in the field, just, it's like, man, that's like awakens something in me you know, very spiritual, just, it's like, realize, wow, I'm just this person in this big, beautiful world, and who knew what was over this hill, you know, like, my whole world just expanded, and just, you know, I'll stand there for, you know, however long, and just absorb it all, you know, just, wow, this is incredible, and then you say, that way, like, on stage, being able to connect with other stories other emotions that kind of thing really like digging into a character um, Uh on stage i i feel is in some ways kind of a spiritual thing being able to explore things that you wouldn't normally experience Uh in your own life yeah Yeah. and something you feel inside it's like a it's just some sort of feeling just, I don't know, for me, just kind of overcomes me. And even when, every time I talk about it, I, I, I envision some of the places I've been when I felt that it takes me like right back to it. And just, you look out and you go, oh my gosh, like this is just incredible. And to really absorb it, not just go, oh, that's neat. Take a snapshot and keep going, yeah. you know, like to actually be in the moment to be present and feel the breeze and the grass and hear the hear the birds and um, just be really right there is something special and if you haven't experienced that go find it for yourself and the way you find it for yourself is to get out there and you know try new experiment yeah 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 that's how you find it the eight dimensions of wellness i hope you've uh, been a bit enlightened. If you've never heard of these, I highly recommend you take a look at them and consider it in your own life. And if it's something that you uh, connected with, as as Andy and I were sharing, again, uh, we have a workbook called Healthy Minds, Healthy Bodies. It's available on the Montana Peer Network uh, store, website store, and you can get yourself a copy and we break out each of the dimensions and um, encourage you to uh, set goals within each one to examine how do I want to improve this one. And we give you a bunch of resources and there's stories in there 
personal stories. And a little I know, assessment, a little assessment to oh, yeah, sort of yeah, show yeah. you where you are in each dimension and which ones need more work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like we said, there's also, uh, there's like videos on YouTube and um, the eight dimensions of wellness are not, uh, they're from SAMHSA. And so there's other versions of them, life balance wheels and things like that you can find. So just another element, another tool in the toolbox, uh, another coping skill as you uh, head out there in your recovery journey. I, I sure wish somebody would have talked to me about it a long time ago. <laughs> nobody really did. And I think you just sort of, you know, mosey along and you're just working on whatever kind of comes your way. Or being overwhelmed you know. by all um, the things that have to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on how unwell things are in your life, right? Yeah. Um, it can definitely be overwhelming. So, all right. Well, thank you uh, for tuning in to another of our weekly podcasts. And uh, be sure to check us out on social media and our website. And our webinars that um, are every month uh, are really, yes. we're changing focus on those a little bit. And so they'll be for mm -hmm. just recovery cop topics in general, not peer support necessarily. Yeah. So check yeah. those out. Yeah. Realizing recovery is our new name of our new uh, webinars that we're doing. So third Wednesday of every month from Montana's Peer Network. Well, thank you. And we'll catch you next time. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. <laughs> recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible.